Welcome to the People of Canterbury Baptist, the podcast where we meet the people of Canterbury Baptist Church in Melbourne, Australia, hear their stories and explore ideas relevant to our church and community. My name is Stephen and for today's episode, let's meet Jude. Hello Jude, welcome to the People of Canterbury Baptist podcast. Oh, thanks Stephen, lovely to be on board. I've loved listening to other people's stories. I, uh, you, you mentioned earlier on that your husband may be one of the few people that I'm aware of who's actually keeping up to date by listening to all episodes when they're released. He is actually. I've listened to a couple, but he actually fills me with stories of everyone from what he's learned. He goes, did you know that so-and-so <laughs> did this? So it's been quite a lovely experience for us. Well, I think it's your turn on the hot seat. So here we go. You ready to go? I am. <laughs> Well, there is a there is a question that I always start with. So I'm going to start with you as well, which is where were you born? Well, that's an easy one. I was born in Sandringham Hospital in Melbourne. So I'm Melbourne born and bred. So as you think back to your early childhood life, what, um, how would you describe your early years for us? Well, it's a difficult one for me to think about because actually my early life was not a great happy place. I was the youngest of five. I had an alcoholic father who was often at the pub and or the golf club and not with us. And I had a very depressed mother who'd been forbidden to work by her husband. So a family of five, a mother alone at home, a father elsewhere and very little money. So it was a very difficult time. And as the youngest of five, and I was much younger than the other four, uh, I was probably neglected, I would say, in hindsight, and we had a very dysfunctional experience. So for you, are your, are your memories of that time fairly sad or melancholy? Or So as a child, I guess, I guess the question I'm trying to ask is, as a child, how did you process that at the time? Did you recognise at the time that this was not healthy or did you just sort of accept that this is this is you know this is true for you, so therefore it must be the way everyone lives? I think um, probably about ten or twelve, as I began to go and visit other families, I realised there was something seriously wrong in my home, and things weren't right. People would have described me actually as a very happy-go-lucky kid. I was actually someone. I, I had a conversation recently of a cousin who knew me back then and she said we could never understand why you were so happy amidst such misery and I guess I didn't know that at the time but I didn't fit in my family that's probably the overwhelming feeling I had is that I was different from everybody else and I didn't know why. Different because you were so much younger or different because your temperament and your passions and your interests would just didn't align with anyone else? Yes, I had hopes, I had optimism, I was energetic, I was aspirational. But I can name that now. Back then I wouldn't have known what that was. And back then I just felt like I was not fitting in. There was something wrong with me. And it took me a long time to realise actually I was blessed as opposed to the opposite. Um so for you, in, in those early years, you went to school, obviously, I'm guessing a, 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 a public school of some some kind. Was that a, a space of escape for you? Yes, I think I really loved learning and I was a very dedicated learner and that became an area that I was able to find my 
feet and sport. I played tennis and other sports lovingly. I loved sport and activity. So, yeah, those two areas became my life outside of home and home was this place where I didn't know, I didn't fit in, I didn't feel like anything was right there. Again, I say this with hindsight, I don't know that I realised that at the time, but I never wanted to be in the home. I was looking for ways to be away from home a lot. So so for you, it wasn't just your parents, but by the sounds of things, it was also your four others. Was it brothers, sisters, combination mm. of both? Um, yes. Your, your four yeah. older siblings. Obviously, there was a distance there, which wasn't just age. There was a distance of personality, distance of hope, distance of vision, distance of purpose. There was a lack of any optimism, I think. My brother, who is uh, nine years older than me, he became involved in drugs and crime really early. I was seven. And when he stole a car with his mates and drove to Sydney and got arrested, he was just someone who just, I mean, we were definitely a a law-abiding family. We weren't a rabble. And so that behaviour actually was really unusual and no one could cope with this. Everyone almost went to their own quarters and lived their own life. And that dysfunctional disconnection has has continued right up until this day. But those days were filled with great fear because we would have the police raid our home. We would have find out that that robbery that happened of some um, bank, well, my brother had been storing the guns in his car in the front yard to, in return for getting drugs. You know, this was like... I'm living in a mafioso story, which is just weird to hear me say it out loud. But, yeah, that was our reality. And you could imagine that that kind of trauma that I experienced as a young child, my parents were experiencing that on steroids because they were also the parent of this person. And our family pretty much disintegrated and I think through my teenage years I pretty much raised myself and had to find my own core ability to function and thank God, I mean, I often think about somehow God was guiding me and I often look back with hindsight and see where my sisters and my brother ended up and where I've ended up at this stage of life, and it's like worlds apart. So I do feel that God was somehow with me through that period, keeping me safe. There's a few strands there I'd love to pick up. So obviously one strand I'd like to get to soon is the question of your experience of God and your experience of faith and how you came into into a sense of faith. Uh, but even before then, you, you spoke about your teenage years as being time in which you effectively had to raise yourself. So here you are now a high school student, um, so uh, are you able to just, just put yourself back in, in the shoes of your teenage self and just describe for us the experience of being, being a teenage girl in high school but effectively isolated from the very family that you're living with? Mm, it, was, it was lonely and I think I found structure through school essential. So I was almost a perfect A student, continually trying to perfect that. Um, I did struggle with anorexia at that time, unnoticed by my family, but certainly was anorexic at that time. And 
almost living this internal world, conversations in my head. I had a whole raft of things I would do to fill my life and my day. I had a best friend and whenever I could, I would stay at her house and experience that different kind of family life. And when I got a boyfriend, it was the same. I just wanted to experience family somewhere else. And I think those things sustained me but also inspired me to think about the family I could create or the life I could create in my, when I'm a grown-up, if you like. But it wasn't a straightforward teenage years. I actually want to do something here, if it's okay. I actually want to leap right to the present day. So, so we're skipping over your whole faith journey. You were skipping over a whole lot of details, which we're going to go back and touch on. Yes, yeah, sure. But, but just focusing in on your childhood, focusing in on your experience of growing up in the family environment that you did, now that you are the person that you are. So you don't have to tell us all the details because we are going to go back and pick them up. Yes. But now that you're the person that you are, now that you can look back at those years with with, with fresh and new eyes – um, how do you see that that has that experience to shape who you are as a as an adult and as a parent and as a person today? Mm, I think it's been fundamentally guiding me. So the choice of husband um, that I have a faithful, loving, loyal, committed husband who came from a loyal, loving family, I think has been the first major thing. And the second thing is, is the degree to which our family draws close, the environment we've created, God at the centre, all of those things were, I don't know if they were choices, but they were dreams, and I allowed God to take me there. That's how I see that. Wow. So let's go back. Um, I'm guessing that there wasn't much in the way of, of faith exposure in your childhood. Well, ironically, there was. Oh, wow, here we and go. I think this is, um, and it's such a funny thing. Is, um, my father's grandfather was one of the leading ministers in Melbourne at the turn of the century. Wow. So he himself came from a faith background. And my mother was raised in a church up till 30 when she got ended up getting married and coming to Australia and then walked away from her faith. And I think... In spite of all of this, God was not an alien in our language. But at, uh, a big crucial moment for me was about 11 or 12 where all the girls in grade 5 and 6 were joining the Girls' Friendly Society at the Anglican Church, so GFS, and that was probably my first experience of a faith community. It taught me a lot of things. It taught me about the ritual of church the ritual of prayer, it taught me about service and something beyond you. So as as GFS members, we will do things for others. And that actually, I think, started to shape my thinking about the world because, remember, I haven't got these things from my own home. I've had to learn how the world operates outside, and that was a really important time for me. I felt like I belonged somewhere. I felt part of a group. But I also became confirmed. So that was a really big moment in my life. And I'll never forget the bishop saying, bless you, Judas, as he did. And he laid his hand on me. <laughs> and, you know, I look back and I think that is the moment at which 
I allowed God into this really hard life and God picked me up. That's how I see that moment in hindsight. In hindsight. So so in the moment, in the moment it didn't appear to make a whole lot of difference, except it just gave you a sense of, of a community that you could be with. But yes. but as you look back on it, you see that as the beginning of a process? I do. And I think it was the time at which I became tied to the Christian faith personally. And so even though during my teenage years I lived an, a non-Christian um, life, if you like, it was irrelevant to me, I thought, there was a thread there. And when I look back, I can find times where I would go into a church in the day, not speak to anyone, and pick up the Bible, and I would always go to Psalm 23. And that ver- that those verses to this day bring me warmth and love and connect me straight to God. And so somehow God was using that thread to pull me in. Every year or two, I'm still here, you're still mine. That's how I see that. So I didn't let go of it. I didn't pursue it, but it was the thread I was holding on to. It's often been been reflected that faith is often looked to as or can be often looked to as a quick fix solution to life's problems. But actually faith in contrast is like seeds that that uh, that when planted their roots go very deep and their leaves and their their um their, you know the, the the leaves spread very very wide but it can take a long time for that to happen. Sometimes in the moment you don't quite get that that instant satisfaction or that instant relief that maybe sometimes we're looking for in the middle of a of a difficult situation. That almost seems to be your story. It didn't your engagement with faith didn't actually didn't actually fix the challenges of your home life. It didn't fix the challenges uh, of the you know of of your family. Um, but nonetheless, it seems to have stabilized you and given you a sense of hope and given you a sense mm. of a path forward. And that's an interesting, interesting way that, that faith seems to have, have intersected with your life. Yes, I think, yeah, it came to a head in, sorry, in um, when I was probably just starting work. So through my uni life, I explored different kinds of ways of getting meaning. And I think this is something that I'm very grateful I have because as a a lot of people who grew up in the church don't know what it's like to be a non-Christian. And I know that experience of the things that call you in when you're looking for meaning and how they may or may not play on different people's needs. And I was very fortunate that mm. in the midst of my uni studies there was one person who was a Christian had belonged to St. Jude's, and occasionally she would just check in on me and she would say, would you like to come to church? And I'd say, oh, no way, <laughs> church, get out of there. But um, I had at that stage in my life, I had probably all the trappings of success, you know, on a good career. I had a strong university degree, a great job, bought my first house, and I was dying inside. And you know, it's like those things, you get all those goals and then you start to achieve them and you go, what What next? Is that it? And she ended up joining the same organisation I did after uni and she called me at a low moment and she said, would you like to come to church with me just now? We'll pop over. It was St Peter's Anglican, I think, in East Melbourne and, and we'll just sit in, in there and I'll just pray with you. And after all those years of her asking me, would you like to come to church? Would you like to pray? I finally said, yes, 
I would. And I felt like God, again, he walked me through this journey ever so gently of getting to the point where I was open. And so that really was, I think, the start of me ramping up my faith journey. So I was about 22 then. Um, probably took me another six months before she asked me to um, actually come along to St Jude's Carlton. And I'll never forget it. She met me in Ligon Street and we had a coffee beforehand. And then I saw all these people walking to St Jude's and they had their Bibles in their little Bible <laughs> bags. And I was like, oh, that's a Bible in there. You know, this is kind of weird, but... I was not one of those people. Let me tell you, Stephen, I was pretty cool. <laughs> I was wearing pretty cool clothes. I was living a bit of the high life there. And uh, that persona of crossing that threshold into a church community was a big step for me. And I remember I went for three weeks, then I didn't go again. And, oh, Alison rings me up. Oh, Judy, are you going to come tonight? Why don't I swing by and pick you up? And that was the last time I stopped. And I, then I just kept going and becoming on with a Christian. But, you know, some of those images that we see a Bible now as God's word, but Christians see it as something, a non-Christian, sorry, can see it as something that's quite threatening or symbolic of the difference between me pursuing my life and me becoming a missionary. It's, <laughs> it's, it's that stark, that gap. And so it's kind of um, an interesting journey when I look back. And recently I ran into Alison in the street, hadn't seen her for maybe 30 years, and I just gave her a hug and I said, I owe everything to you. It was because of you that I became a Christian. And you could just see the look on her face. And um, the, I don't know, it's, we don't often get the chance to do that. That was a special moment for the two of us. I've lost the plot, Stephen. You'll have to tell no, me where we're up to. No, that's fine. So... <laughs> Is is there a specific moment when you go when you recognise that oh yes now I wasn't a Christian and now I am like almost a transformational moment in that sense or for you was it more of a slow and steady realisation of I think I might be becoming a Christian a bit of both um, there was a moment when someone prayed with me to hand my life over to God. I must admit I felt a bit under duress at that moment. So I, I said the words and I'm thinking, have I done it yet? Is that it? Is that what you do? But more I think my the reality is I, I leaned into the space and unfolded to God and allowed God in. That was probably the me becoming a Christian. And probably it wasn't until I was about 30 that I really felt like a Christian because there's a lot of catch-up when you become a Christian when you're older, all the Bible stories, the parables, the the songs, the hymns, those things I didn't have. And one of my early embarrassing moments in church was um, we were asked to, a little small group was studying Corinthians um, and we were asked to read a verse from Corinthians and, so, and then reflect on it. And, of course, I read the wrong Corinthians. I didn't know there was a one and two, <laughs> yes. and they also didn't think to tell me which one, and it was a real moment of shame and embarrassment that I don't I don't fit in here. This isn't for me. And it just took, I guess, God working with me to keep opening up and opening up. And one of the things that first attracted me to Rome was he went to church twice on a Sunday, and he read his Bible 
through and through. He read it twice through by the time I met him. You know, he was quite admirable to me. Yeah. Are you able to just connect the dots for us from the from you being a fashionable and cool person in your early 20s, going off to, to St Jude's maybe, you know, every now and again, but sort of a little bit leery of these Bible-carrying Christians? Um, can you connect the dots to from that moment to that person in, the, in your 30s now in which you begin to go, look, I actually think I am, am a Christian. I think I, this is who I am. What happened in that time? How did, you, how did that transformation take place? Um, I'm a bit of an all or nothing gal. Uh, someone pretty close to me, um, I was sharing a house with a, a couple of Christians from church and we decided we were forming a bit of a community. We wanted to share our whole life and our whole faith with one another in an earnest way. Um, but she early on picked me up about not stapling on fruit, that the fruit grows from within. And being an aspirational uber-achiever, I want to staple on the fruit, get involved in everything. Yep, I'm leading this, I'm leading that, and blah, blah, blah. Actually, we don't want you to do any of that. We actually want you to be in our community, be in our church at St. Jude's, and just grow in faith. That was quite a contrast for me. So I think those experiences of living in that home were inspirational. And then after Rowan and I got married and had a couple of children, we ended up being buying a house opposite that house. And for quite a while, the two households existed as a really strong, faithful community, sharing our lives, our work and our faith. And I learned then about being a Christian, what that was really meaning. And it's not about doing things at church and it's not about the way I pray properly. It's about who you are and bringing yourself and allowing God into your life. So they were pretty fundamental times, and Rowan and I went through those together. That was pretty fundamental about becoming a Christian. It doesn't mean it went easy because then we got challenges. <laughs> oh, after that. We might end up end up touching on, on, on a few of them just a bit later on. Can I ask this question? What's your relationship like with your parents and your siblings now? Oh, that's really tricky. Um my brother is still a practicing drug addict, so this is 50 years later in his life. So he's mid-60s, I think. So that is a very unusual experience and that continues to touch our family very deeply. Both my parents have passed on and I was able to connect with my mum, but my dad was not really able to connect with him. I, I couldn't reach him at all. So we're a very broken family. We barely talk to one another. There's two sisters that support my brother still to this day and enable his drug habit. It's something I've always not been able to do. So, yeah, so it's still a broken family. But on the other side, marrying Rowan, I did gain a whole new family and they became, if you like, my family, Christian family, loving family, not a perfect family by any means, but they're my family too. Wow. 
So I guess, guess the question for me, let's actually possibly just draw this conversation to a close. I'd love to actually p- pick up with you on our next podcast and uh, maybe talk a, b- a bit more about how you met Rowan. You keep mentioning him, but we haven't quite got the story of... of, of oh, he's pretty of, important. If, if, if it were your love story, um, you know, yeah. your story, but also just, just touch a bit on the practicalities of your career and the way you've developed and then how you came to CBC. So I think think that would be be a, be a good conversation for our next, our next podcast. But I guess drawing the theme of this of this uh, podcast together, which now seems to be really centered around your faith journey. And if mm-hmm. I can frame it, maybe your journey into uh, journey into hope. It seems to me, if I can just offer this, this observation, it seems to be that the one thing that maybe set you apart from your family is for some reason you had hope and maybe they mm-hmm. didn't. And I've been quite, ins- I've been refining myself reflecting a lot, listening to you on just the power of hope power of belief, the power of believing that there is something more than just the immediate moment that we're in. Um, and I guess the question I'm sort of moving toward is this, is as we draw this to a close and you look back at your story, what, what does Jesus mean to you? Absolutely everything. <laughs> I firmly believe God picked me up, whether he always had me in his hands or whether I cried out and he heard me and I let him in, I don't know. But he picked me up and led me to where I am today, and I owe him everything. It's that simple. Uh, Early on, Rowan and I were pregnant much earlier than we wanted to be. We were so poor. And I remember I was furious at God, furious. I'm like, become a Christian. I've changed my life. I'm with the right person, what on earth are you doing? <laughs> and I've been mean, absolutely crazy to blame Jesus for those things. But um, I remember in this moment of intense anger, I got this really strong message from God, which was, trust me. And it was, I knew it wasn't for me because there was no way that feeling was coming out of me <laughs> at that point in time. And so that to me has been a, Almost a mantra for me. Yes, you have me, God. You have me and you are with me in my walk. And it might not always feel like it, but I can trust you to be there. So that was a pretty important one for me. And I think that sort of sums up what I've just said, which is God and Jesus and the Spirit are working in me all the time. I might not know it, but it's there. Jude, it's been a privilege to, uh, to to speak with you. We just really appreciate your openness, being willing to open up your background and open up your uh, your faith journey. And I know people at Canterbury Baptist are going to be encouraged to actually hear hear your story and hear hear the work of God's grace in your life. But tell you what, let's come back. I think there's more to your story that we need to discover. So uh, there's so, quite a bit to my story to come. Well, there we go. Well, there, that's uh, what do we, what do we call that? It's, a, it's an advertorial for the next episode. There's quite a bit yet to come. <laughs> Jude, uh, thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you, Stephen. And thank you to everyone who has tuned in to listen. This podcast is produced and presented by Stephen Field on behalf of Canterbury Baptist Church, Melbourne, Australia. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email cbc at canterburybaptist.org. If you're a member or regular attender of this church, how about you get in touch with Jude directly and thank her for her contribution today. The music is a song, The First Step, by Andrew Naylor from his album Two Stones. This album is available wherever you purchase or stream your music. Join us next time as we continue our chats with the people of Canterbury Baptist. Mm-hmm.